Well, we've been spending some time in the book of Matthew uh, recently, studying this uh, list of attributes called the Beatitudes. It happens at the beginning of a series of teachings Jesus gives called the Sermon on the Mount. If you're new to Christianity, honestly, go and read Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. Matthew's chapter 5, 6, and 7. Uh, and it'll give you some insight into what it means to follow Jesus and his expectations and what they are for us and what it means to be a, uh, someone who is in relationship with him. Kind of how he sees the world, you will come to understand better through Matthew's five, Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. And in the, in the beginning of that message, he opens with these Beatitudes. And uh, in the Beatitudes, you'll find out exactly what blessings God has in store for you and how to get them. The Bible's not cryptic about that. He says you can have blessing in this life, that you can feel whole and full and have satisfaction in a brand new way. God wants to pour blessings out on you. And that doesn't mean that he wants you to get rich and famous. It doesn't mean that he wants to, to, to make sure you got a, a, a brand new boat and a Yeti 110 iced down with silver bullets. That's not just God's dream for you. His dream for you is the things that he lists in this chapter. These are the blessings that God guarantees you. And, uh, and so uh, let me read them off to refresh your memory today as we get close to the end of our series on the Beatitudes. It says, Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirits, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And today's is verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. And verse 10 and 11 we'll do next week as we close this series. And it's blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Today, our beatitude is verse 9, which is blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. We're going to talk about becoming a peacemaker today. But before we talk about being a peacemaker and what it means to be a peacemaker, I want to focus on the promise for a moment. I want to talk about what it means to become the children of God. What does it mean for us to be the children of God? I think this beatitude is interesting because of the promise that, it, that, that comes with it. We will be called the children of God. Are you ready to be considered a child of God this morning? Maybe you heard that term so much in your life uh, that it's kind of lost its meaning to you. Maybe uh, you never really understood it in the first place or you just thought of this as a way of describing us as having been created by God. We are the child of God. Yes, my child. But maybe your father in this life, your earthly father, has given you some bad wiring on what it means to actually be the child of someone. Maybe it's a hard thing for you to grasp and understand because of everything that you've been given as far as context in this world. Maybe life taught you that a father can be distracted, hard to connect with, 
distant, absent, someone who creates something and then just disappears, violent, unexpressive, unable to hear you. I don't know what kind of father you had in this world and what it made you believe it meant to be a child of someone, but I know what it means to be a child of God, and I know exactly what kind of father he is. We can summarize it in one passage. Two chapters earlier in the book of Matthew, Jesus goes to a prophet named John the Baptist. Uh, John wasn't the first Southern Baptist. He's not that kind of Baptist. Uh, He was a wild man who was called by God to tell people that Jesus was coming and to baptize them into a new life serving him. So when it was time to begin his own ministry, Jesus himself went to go be baptized by John. It's a really important moment in Scripture. It's the reason we follow Jesus into believer's baptism. Just as he started his new life in ministry through baptism, we start our new life in following him through baptism. And in this story, we see some important things from God the Father. Matthew chapter 3, uh, beginning in verse 16, it says, As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, and at that moment, heaven was opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. And with whom I am well pleased. Everything that I need to know about what kind of father God is, I can learn from verse 17. In one statement, he provides three things for Jesus that any good father needs to bring for his children. And that as children of God, God brings to us. First, he brings identity. He says, this is my son. He affirms him. He says that you are the son of God. A good father reminds their children who they are constantly and with consistency. This is who you are. I will judge you not based on what you've done, but based on who you are. He provides identity. He provides affection. Whom I love, he says. This is my son, whom I love. There's just too many people living in the world today who grew up without a father who told them how loved they are. Your father in heaven is not like that. He has never been like that. He's never been shy about affirming the love that he feels for you. He says it out loud. He says it often. And he demonstrates it through his actions and the lengths that he has gone to in order to be in relationship with you. So he's given you identity He's given you affection, and he brings affirmation. It says, this is my son whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. It's important to know that Jesus was beginning his ministry right here. That up until this baptism, he had not really done anything special. He was a carpenter. Uh, He was a construction worker. He was an unknown rabbi. He had done some teaching and done a lot of time studying God's word. But he hadn't done big miracles yet. He hadn't gathered any large crowds and he hadn't delivered any life-changing sermons. And yet, God was well-pleased. God was already pleased with him. You don't have to change the world for God to be proud of you. He's not that kind of father. 
he brings affirmation in the beginning. And so he makes this statement to Jesus and shows that he truly is a good and loving father. And then he extends that same blessing to us because he's adopted us into his family. Paul says that he predestined us for adoption into sonship, meaning that it was his plan all along, all of our lives. In John 1, uh, verse 12 and 13, in this opening poem in John's gospel, it says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. The same thing that Jesus offers in this beatitude. He gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. What I'm trying to help you understand here is how good it is to be counted as the children of God. No matter what kind of earthly father you have, your heavenly father is a perfect father. And all because, and and because he is a good father, the more we learn to know him, the more we desire to become like him. Which means we need to become peacemakers because our God is a God of peace. This is evident at a lot of different moments in Scripture, but it's most clear through the message of the gospel itself. I love how Paul describes it in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19. He says, All of this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us a ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ and not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us this message of reconciliation. What does reconciliation mean? It just means to make peace with. Because of man's brokenness and sin, we were established as adversaries of God. Paul says as much in Romans chapter 5, for while we were, if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. Our sin made us enemies of God, but God did not leave it there. Instead of allowing us to face the consequences of our sin, and instead of attacking us for turning our backs on Him, God gave us this opportunity at reconciliation through the death of His Son Jesus on the cross. Jesus took our punishment, and now we are reconciled to God. We have been given peace with God, and now He's called us to a ministry of reconciliation. We talked about this a couple weeks ago with the beatitude, blessed are the merciful, and then again, and blessed are the meek. It's very, very important to God. It's obvious in the pages of Scripture. It's obvious to the beatitudes that not are we only called to bring people to reconcile their hearts with God, but we are called to reconcile our hearts with the hearts of others. Forgiveness is important to God. It's this idea that since we've been forgiven, it is our responsibility, uh, even our requirement, to forgive others. And it's important to God because it's written into the character of God. He's a God of reconciliation because our God is, in his very nature, 
a peacemaker. And so blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. We have to become peacemakers. We have to become peacemakers because that is who our Father is. And the more we become like Him, the more we are called His children. And as we are called His children, we are affirmed as His children. We are shown our identity. We are shown affection from the one who made us. And we are affirmed every day that He is proud of us, pleased with us, and rooting for us in the purpose He has given us. And so we will become peacemakers. A couple ways that you can become a peacemaker today. Number one, find peace within yourself. If you're going to have a ministry of reconciliation, you are going to have to begin by reconciling inside your own self. Maybe it's hard for you to be a peacemaker because you have never fully experienced peace before. Instead, you've lived your life filled with anxiety and stress, impatience, anger, bitterness, shame, guilt, anything and everything aside from peace. Well, gaining peace is never an easy journey. It's not instantaneous, but it is a journey you can travel. It's one that I've traveled. I've done it. It's one that I have to do over again sometimes. I've gone from a person who never knew peace, who could never even really describe it outside of a political context. We've got to get peace in the Middle East, peace on earth. I didn't know what it meant to have peace inside. And I've gone from that over the years to being someone whose peace is very difficult to steal. And you can as well. There's a couple steps that you can take to get there. I have so many different sets of three things in this message, you guys. I went loose cannon on it. I went buck wild. I'm not sorry for it either. Number one, within number one, give your life and your heart to Jesus. Jesus said this to us in Matthew. Uh, he said, come to me. This is really, you got to hear this. This is one of the most important passages in Scripture. I could spend weeks just breaking down this one promise that Jesus gave, this one call that he gave. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is is light. Did you come in here today with a spirit of heaviness upon you? You came to the right place. Because the one that we came here to worship, he says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. And I will give you rest. I get chills just thinking about his, his heart when he said those things. He meant it. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. See, he's the beginning of peace. 
and without him there can be no peace. He said he is the way and the truth and the life, and nobody comes to the Father except through him, which means that nobody comes to peace except through him. If I could be honest, I've gone through, these last couple weeks have have been a a heavy time, dealing with some things, with some people that I care about. It's just been a, it's been a bad couple of weeks. And uh, whenever I am feeling an absence of peace, whenever I'm feeling this heaviness on my spirit, what I need most is to be in these intimate moments with Jesus. I had a friend staying with me on Friday night that I hadn't seen in a long time and uh, not a follower of Jesus and had had grown up in it and walked away exactly like me. And uh, on Friday night, we were having this great conversation, and I just decided to spend some time doing the very thing I was made to do and shared my faith with him, talked to him about how Jesus had changed my life, talked to him about the things I was most excited about in my future with Jesus and invited him into that story. And he did not give his life to Jesus in that moment, But I can tell you that I walked away from that and I felt the burden I'd been carrying for the last couple weeks lifted. Why? It was still there. The heaviness still exists. But I spent some time following Jesus in the very best, closest way that I could by doing exactly what he made me to do. And that's what he means when he says that his burden is light and his yoke is easy. It it is actually pretty clear in Scripture that your life's going to be very difficult that there's going to be a lot of really hard times and hard things and things are going to go sideways and off the rails. Jesus even says that following me means people are going to hate you. That there's going to be all kinds of turmoil and difficulty you're going to experience in this life just because of me. But he says my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What does he mean by that? He means that when you are living in your life the way that I've created and called you to live and pursuing the very thing that I've made you to do, that even when the world is falling apart around you, when people are opposing you and coming up against you, even when people persecute you in my name, my yoke will be easy and my burden will be light. Why? Because you're doing what you were made to do. If you want to have peace inside of yourself. It begins with a relationship with Jesus and not just adding him to your life, but making him the very center of your life. In John chapter 16, he's walking with the disciples from the table of the Last Supper to the Garden of Gethsemane. And as he is doing so, he knows that in a matter of hours or minutes, he's going to be arrested and tried and crucified. So he's telling them everything that's about to happen. And he tells them that he's going to be arrested and killed. And he tells them that he's doing it for them to live out the judgment. He's doing it for them so that he can live out the judgment that they deserve. And he tells them that afterwards he'll be gone and the Holy Spirit is going to come. It's just a really big conversation that he's having with these. He's just trying to download everything that's about to happen in this one conversation with his disciples as they walk from the Last Supper into the Garden of Gethsemane where he'll be arrested. He tells them they're going to be persecuted. He tells them that they're going to scatter and run. But that he won't be alone and neither will they. And then he says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Because in this world you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Our peace doesn't come from our circumstances. It comes from the one who is our Savior. 
Peace starts with a relationship with Jesus, and it continues through your relationship with Jesus. Jesus offers us peace even when we have trouble, even when the world is falling apart. He brings peace because he is the only one who has real peace to give. Step one is enter into a relationship with him and pursue him daily. Step two is find freedom. Now, that's a huge step to finding peace within yourself. In the Exodus story, Moses leads the people of God out of slavery in Egypt. They've been in slavery for 400 years in Egypt, and God raises up this man, Moses, to come lead them out of that. And they leave Egypt, and they go into a desert. And in this desert, they spend 40 years wandering before they find the promised land. Why? Because even though they were out of slavery, a heart of slavery was not out of them. Their bodies were free, but their hearts were not. And for 40 years, God led them to do the work to get them truly free before they entered the promised land. And that's what he wants to do in you as well. You may be out of Egypt, but you still may have some Egypt in you. That's why it's so important for us to find freedom. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 says, Therefore, As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And let the peace of Jesus, the peace of Christ, rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace. And be thankful. This term that he uses here, clothe yourselves in these qualities. Clothe yourselves in compassion, kindness, gentleness, humility, patience. Clothe yourselves in these qualities that would lead you to enjoy the peace of Christ implies that you need to do the work. When I walk into my closet in the morning, I don't just pray about it and God zaps an incredible looking outfit upon my body. It's not how it works. I know you probably have thought that how it works for me, but it's not. It's not how it works for you either. No, you gotta get up. You gotta go to your closet. You gotta choose which clothes to wear. You gotta make a decision to put them on and you gotta actively put them on your body and then you gotta keep them on throughout the day which if you're between the ages of two and four could be difficult for you. Finding freedom is the same way. If you wanna have compassion instead of skepticism and kindness instead of anger, if you wanna heal from your past hurts and habits and hangups, you're gonna have to make a choice to do it. And then you're going to have to do the work to make it happen. You need a community to walk you through it. You've got to get vulnerable with these things. And for some of you, in order to find freedom and really receive this peace the Bible talks about, you're going to have to go through some counseling. Or you're going to have to get some help outside of yourself and submit to it because it is worth it. And Paul says, be thankful and find peace inside of yourself. If you want to find peace inside of yourself, enter a relationship with Jesus and then do the work to find freedom. Second thing is this. 
We have to learn to become a peacemaker. We have to learn to respond in peace. We have to learn to respond in peace. We're talking about all this peace that God offers and being a child of God and what that means and finding peace for ourselves. And that's important. But the beatitude is, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called the children of God. Peacemakers don't just have peace and receive peace. They make peace. And I believe that's broken down into a couple different parts. The first is this, learn to respond in peace. As we talked about being meek, being a peacemaker means we respond to others differently than our flesh often wants us to respond. Differently, then our friends would respond differently than the media would respond, wildly different than John Wick would respond. Instead of feeding conflict, we make peace. Romans chapter 12, verse 18, Paul says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. If it is possible, and as far as it just depends on you, Live at peace with everyone. The Apostle Paul, who wrote this in between confrontations with Jews and Pharisees, and after he had been stoned once already and thrown out of multiple towns and cities and banned from places, he understood that peace wasn't always possible. It's not. Some people are going to oppose you no matter what you do. You can't make them feel peace. But you can always choose to respond with peace. Meaning when people are combative, you are peaceful. When people post something you don't like, you just walk away from it. When someone attacks you or even opposes you, your response reflects peace instead of animosity. There are going to be times when you've got to stand your ground on the basis of your faith. That's clear. But it is possible to do that even as a peacemaker and not a combatant. Jesus knew we would have to do that. Jesus was a peacemaker and a peace giver. In fact, in John 14, he says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let your hearts, let not your hearts be troubled, nor let them be afraid. He came to give us peace. But in another place, in Matthew chapter 10, he says, do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. What? I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be the members of his own households. Jesus, this feels extreme. Feels like you're contradicting yourself a little bit here. No. Because he spends time in this chapter, and in many others, talking about our need to love our enemies and live in peace. That was his clear message. When he said this, he wanted to evoke a response within you. He wanted it to be clear what he's calling you towards and what it looks like. See, Jesus is clear that you must love peace, that you must work for peace, you must pray for your enemies and do good to them and greet them and long for the barriers between you to be overcome. But you must never abandon your allegiance to him and to his word. No matter how much animosity it brings down upon your head, you are not guilty. 
You're not in the wrong if your life of obedience to Christ and your message of love and truth elicit hostility from some and affirmation from others. That is what the life of Jesus looked like. It is what your life will look like as well. But what is so important and vital to the message of Jesus going forward out of you is your response when that animosity comes down on you. Because we live in a culture and a time where following Jesus with all we are puts us in stark opposition to the world around us. It'll make us some enemies, maybe even in your own household. But the way that you respond matters. Stand firm in your faith, but love people well and respond in a way that brings peace. Respond in peace. Then the last thing is this. Be a peacemaker by bringing peace to others. And here's the other side of making peace. We respond in peace, but we bring peace to others. We are messengers of peace, carriers of peace. We show up and bring peace into spaces where it wasn't before. Paul talks about us having this ministry of reconciliation, a ministry of reconciliation. What does that mean? It means that you have been offered the greatest peace imaginable. You've been given peace by God. This idea that Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. For my burden is easy and something else is light. You've been offered a kind of peace that no one else and nothing else can bring to you. And if you have received it and you're living in it and you're learning to live in it more every day, you're still finding freedom that you can access more of it. But you know what it feels like to have this burdened life lifted from your shoulders and something better put in its place. If you've lived through that, then you have a ministry of reconciliation ahead of you because you are, you are walking right next to, shoulder to shoulder, face to face with people every single day who have no peace. They have no peace. They have no hope of peace. They don't understand peace. And you're not just anybody. You are one of the children of God. This is my son or daughter whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. And so now you, you are not just going through this life enjoying your peace. You are called to be a messenger of peace, a bringer of peace, a deliverer of peace into this world. You have a ministry of peace ahead of you. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12. It's this beautiful passage. It says, remember, remember, church, remember, Christian, remember that you were at, the, at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Remember, remember, follower of Jesus, that at one time you did not know him. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. 
keeper. He himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. He's talking about people like most of us who were not Jewish people who didn't have much of a hope at being in relationship with God, being folded into the family of God and adopted into sonship with God and not knowing God and then becoming a child of God and how much peace and joy that brings to us and brings to our hearts. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and both peace to those who were near for through him all of us have access in one spirit to the father because you will be called children of God so then you are no longer strangers and aliens but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God he brought you peace And he made you his son or daughter. He reconciled you to himself and set you into a family that you could be a part of here. Just as a part of the local church. And now it's our calling and our responsibility to carry forth this same reconciliation to others. This gospel, this peace we've been given, we have been called to give because it's not just for you, it's not just for me, it is also for them. And when we carry this message to the people around us, we are the peacemakers, and we are the sons, and we are the daughters of the living God. And so be a peacemaker today. Join us in this ministry of peace, this ministry of reconciliation. If you know God and you are in a relationship with Jesus, join us in our never-ending ministry of reconciliation, our unending desire to bring the kind of peace that I have. Even in a hard season, I woke up with peace in my heart this morning. I woke up knowing who I am because my Father in heaven has affirmed me. Because He has told me that He loves me. He has set me apart for His purpose and for His ministry. And I never have to question that. Even in the worst days. And because I have that kind of peace, I have to bring it to as many others as I can. And I am inviting you, church, to join me in that mission. I need you to know that our vision as a church is that it is never just about one person. It's not about the staff. It's not about me. It's not about our worship teams being the only ones that usher people into relationship with Jesus. What we believe firmly is that as a church, we are the body of Christ. As a church, all of us together, we are the ones that he has called, that he has put together, that he has gifted and anointed to bring a ministry of reconciliation into a city that is without peace. So you've got opportunities. We've got an attractional series coming up. We've got two services coming up. 
be a part of this ministry of reconciliation with us. Bring people beside you. Understand that this is no small stakes thing. This is no small thing just to hand someone an invite card and tell them about what God is doing in your life. It is no little thing. It is what you have been put on this earth for. You have been called to a ministry of reconciliation. Step into it. And if you're here today and you've never had peace, you've never known peace, you've lived without it all of your life, and you are in desperate need of it now more than ever, let me invite you into reconciliation. Let me assure you that you were created not to be an orphan, but to be a son or daughter of the creator of the universe. That the God in heaven longs for relationship with you. And that he is the one who has already gone to extreme lengths through sacrificing Jesus, his son died on the cross so that you wouldn't have to do anything to be loved by God so that you wouldn't have to do anything to have peace with God. That was the peace he offered to you. All you have to do is receive it. If you've never had that kind of peace before, no matter who you are, no matter where you are, no matter what you've done, no matter, what, no matter how undeserving of sonship or becoming a child of God you believe you are, our Father in heaven, wants to let you know that you are loved and that he is pleased with you and that he desires relationship with you. If you're ready to enter into that, every head bowed, every eye closed, just say this prayer with me today. This is kind of like a wedding vow. It's a beginning. <laughs> there's, there's not a single marriage that was ready for marriage the day they said their vows. It's when the journey begins. And that's what this prayer is about. It's the moment you get to receive peace for the first time. Just say this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, forgive me for my sin. Forgive me for trying to do this on my own. For rejecting you. For not understanding you. Forgive me. I believe in you, God. I believe that you want me, even though I know you shouldn't. I believe that you've gone to extreme lengths to make peace with me. Thank you for your son. Thank you for the cross. And so, I give all that I am to you, everything, all of me, from this day forward, I am yours. And I pray these things in the holy name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.